Welcome to the State of the Lakers postgame show on Dash Radio, guys. Thank you so much for coming to hang out. Uh, it's a special shout out to Raj for holding it down for me uh, uh, on Sunday night. Just was a really long weekend. Um, and then tonight I had a crazy sequence where one of my dogs, I'm pretty sure, got bit by a rattlesnake. <laughs> so oh, I had man. that. I had that going on, but it, it turned out my dogs ended up being okay because the rattlesnake, I think, was too small to do any real damage. And then I had uh, basketball practice uh, at the high school that I'm coaching at that ran a little late. So I missed uh, a portion of this game, uh, but I was able to watch most of the important stuff at the end. And obviously, I saw the entire game on Sunday. We do have a lot to talk about, but I'm thankful because uh, uh, Raj, is my partner in crime here, has been able to um, be a little bit more attentive, but this is a, to me, a classic example of, um, you know, this type of game is just something that happens in the NBA regular season when you're playing mm-hmm. 82, especially as an older veteran team. Um, I, I think it was too much to ask for them to have two defensive performances like Sunday night, uh, mm-hmm. uh, against the team of this caliber. Um, That said, and I'm interested to hear your take on this, like, I feel like I'd be a little less annoyed if this hasn't been such a theme from this season, you know, like if you saw saw a game like this from the 2020 Lakers or the 2021 Lakers, you just chalk it up to the dregs of the NBA regular season. But when we really start to break down the games of this season so far, it's like, okay, Golden State. They were really good for about two and a half quarters, and then they completely fell apart defensively. Phoenix, they were good for about one quarter, and then they completely fell apart defensively. Memphis, they got a bunch of stops in the fourth quarter, and they got a win. But for the most part, that game, they were bad defensively. I think John Morant had 40 in that game, right? San Antonio, complete shit show defensively. They just happened to outscore them. And then Oklahoma City, they lose because it's a shit show defensively. And then they have a good defensive performance against Cleveland and a good defensive performance against Houston. And then tonight. So we're talking about what's that? What do they play? Eight games and six of them have been bad defensive performances. So I think I do care a little bit more than I normally would just because it kind of goes to that conversation we had last week on Friday having to do with identities and like what the like what what the mental makeup of the team is like to me this is a little more annoying because it's a part of a larger theme what do you think yeah like we talked about it i believe on friday i was worried about the bad habits that would start being created by playing all these bad teams and i thought tonight was just the accumulation of that this is another bad team another young team and I don't think this team can survive. Like, there has to be a baseline level of defense that you play. Like, they can't play hard defense every single night. And I don't really like blaming defense on pure effort every time because I think that's kind of unfair as well to the other team. Like, Jalen Green was incredible tonight. I thought in that first quarter he had a bunch of tough threes that got him going. He got to attack the rim. But definitely LeBron and AD, another game where I felt like they really just walked through. And I feel like on those previous teams they could do that. And we had the defensive kind of – talent there to make up for it but on this team it just doesn't you see when LeBron's kind of not not being all into it as the help guy AD not all into it defensively as the help guy it's just straight line drives right to the basket Avery Bradley did what he could Austin Reeves did what he could Russell Westbrook I thought played hard but still you know a lot of gambling a lot of 
getting beat off the dribble, just one move right to the basket. Guys like Kevin Porter Jr. are really dynamic in that way, going off the dribble. I talked about Jalen Green as well. But yeah, in that third, so in that first half, Houston scored 70 points. And a lot of that was in the paint as well. Like, and that to me just tells me. They had 85 total on Sunday. 85 total. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. But then in that third quarter, and so in the second half, they had around 34 points with four minutes left. And four minutes left is when I really thought the Lakers had the game in the bag. I think they were up eight. And I want to ask you about this. Have you ever seen – so did you see where they took the two points yes. away from Bazemore? Yes. Have you ever seen – I have never seen that. For something like a couple minutes away, I get like right away maybe they figure out like, hey, he's not supposed to be at the line. They're actually at four fouls. But minutes away, not only does it take the points away, it takes the possession away, right? So they basically yeah. throw that whole – offense have you ever seen that <laughs> no so i thought that. i have a feeling the nba is going to come out the officials are going to come out and uh, release a statement that they screwed up because <laughs> right. so i had a huge problem with that because even okay for, let's call it what it was the officials made a mistake okay yeah boo freaking who whatever you move on officials make mistakes all over the place in the game okay like that's just part of basketball however What they don't understand, the problem with taking points away after the fact, several possessions later, is you never are properly accounting for the way basketball changes based on the scoring margin. So, for instance, if you're up five instead of up seven, the game feels a little closer, right? Like we're talking about two possessions instead of three possessions. So maybe on defense, you give a little bit more effort. Maybe on offense, you're a little less willing to settle because the game feels closer. So I had a huge problem with taking that basket, those two free throws away, because it, it fails to account for the, the, the way that the, the basketball, um, the, 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 like the, the, the tone of the game is different based on the scoring margin. And so I had a huge problem with that, but I have a feeling they're going to end up um, I have a feeling they're going to end up coming out with some statement like, Oh, we probably shouldn't have done that. Cause you're right. Like it, if, if it was just a team foul, they would have had a side out of bounds in another possession. So you didn't just take two points away. You took two points away and you took away the opportunity to potentially score a, a basket. So it was like completely nonsensical on so many levels. I had a huge problem with it. Yeah, for sure. And I, I just thought that was weird. But yeah, with the defense, like, again, this is a Houston team that's not going to really be able to punish you. They're super young. The game kind of went how I thought I would. But yeah, third quarter, they completely shut it down. And they had some, like, again, like we talk about it, they go on these defensive runs. And I thought they had that tonight. When LeBron and AD are engaged defensively, like, it becomes a scary team. There are a few moments where Houston couldn't even get a shot off. I think one of them ended with uh, AD blocking uh, one of Jalen Green's threes. And he mm-hmm. went late. But just like... They can't do that every quarter, but there has to be like a level where you don't just become this like the worst defensive team in the league. And I thought that's what they looked like in that first first half or just straight line drives right to the basket. Uh, Sangoon just and Christian Wood just pulling their way to the rim, looking like super dominant um, inside paint players. Uh, but, yeah, they, but are you worried about the defense, I guess, as a whole going forward, just larger picture? Because tonight they did turn it on and they showed they can shut down this Houston team. I think we play Oklahoma City next, so again, just another bad team. I know we lost to them. Uh, we'll see if that changes how they how they react to it. But I feel like we're gonna get another one of these just lackadaisical first halves, turn it on in the second half type of games. So it's all about like the uh, the the totality of their identity. So right. uh, to, to what what they're what they tend to do when they're in those situations. So for instance, 
if they go have a really nice defensive game against Oklahoma City, and then they mm-hmm. go and have a really nice defensive performance on Saturday night in Portland and beat the Trailblazers, then yeah. we can look back at tonight and be like, hey, four of the last five games, the Lakers looked great defensively. They're turning a defensive corner. This is becoming their new identity. That's the way you can look at it. But if they go up to Oklahoma City or they stay home for Oklahoma City on Thursday and don't defend well, and then they go up to Portland and get beat and look sloppy on the defensive end, now we're looking at that thing I was talking about earlier where now eight of the 10 games they've played, they've looked bad defensively, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, they, it's up to them to show us whether or not it's a blip or a trend. You know what I mean? Now, and, and you're, you are right that, like, defense can't solely be – uh, put down to effort. That that is a good point that um, that needs to be emphasized here. However, I think when LeBron checked out of the game, they had already allowed twenty two or twenty three points by the yeah. you know four minute mark of the first quarter. So the starters they do have enough defensive talent to get stops. So the effort was not good enough with that group, mm-hmm. and so that's what's disappointing to me is like you know. There was that photo that went uh, that was on social media from the Sunday night game where LeBron and AD were sitting on the bench right before tip off. And they both just had that angry, like scowl yeah. look on their face like they were just ready to rip the throat out of the Rockets. And they went out and did that. That was a tone that they set from the beginning. I shared a video yesterday showing just how active LeBron was on the back line, blowing right. up plays around the rim as that helped defender like LeBron set a tone and it extended through the whole game and they held the Rockets to 85 points in that game. That same attitude was just missing tonight. And again, it's all about the trends. If it's one of those things where one out of every four or five games, when they play a bad team, they come with some weak defensive effort, then you can just attribute it to the normal things that happen in an NBA regular season. But if it's something that becomes recurring, now we're talking about uh, we're talking about an identity problem. So that's that's the way I would look at it. Is like tonight the Lakers the Lakers have the opportunity this weekend to make tonight look like a blip and not a trend. Yeah, for sure. And this is definitely like a part in the schedule where you want to just rack up uh, rack up as many wins as you can against these really inferior teams. I just kind of mo- want to move on to I guess again the guy we're going to talk about ma- mainly. I think what this season revolves around. I thought Russell Westbrook is starting to kind of get more and more comfortable, uh, not even just tonight, but even against Houston, I believe, on Friday, whenever they played them. I thought he looked good then, too. Tonight, only three turnovers. Um, didn't hit a three, but 27, 7, and 9. I know his numbers don't always kind of equate to if you're winning the game or not, but I just thought he picked his spots pretty well. His shot selection, it still can be wary at times, but I thought it, it's getting better and better. And, I, and tonight's only game six of the LeBron AD and Russ trio and it just feels like a lot more just the way that we consume media just feels like they've been playing together a lot more than they did but I thought he's he's starting to find his way teammates are starting to figure him out as well he's starting to figure them out he's doing a lot of this like he still does a lot of this he just drives in the paint recklessly and then kicks it out but it does kind of collapse the defense brings like a compromised defense and then they can attack what are you kind of seeing from Russ not just tonight but the last game as well I, I feel like he is starting to find his bearings a little bit Again, it's not great. It's not clean. But I think the AD at the five stuff, like, it's no coincidence. And, again, DeAndre Jordan looked absolutely awful tonight uh, in, in his minutes. But I don't think it's coincidence the one center lineup has just opened things for Russ. And he, he looks a lot more comfortable being able to attack. 
He attacked in one-on-one situations in transition. Uh, he, bu- he bullied his way to the rim. He got to the line, I believe, 10 times uh, tonight, which which is good for him. Uh, what, do you, what are you kind of seeing from Russ? Because I feel like he's starting to, starting to put his foot, foot down a little bit. Well, he's starting to understand that with this group, he can impact the game in all of the Russell Westbrook ways that mm-hmm. he's always impact the game while trimming back on some of his aggressiveness, which is going to increase his efficiency. We'll have to look uh, when the, when the stats get updated later tonight, but his yeah. field goal percentage has taken a significant tick up in the last week, um, uh, which is probably a big part of LeBron coming back and, and the way that he just allows Russ to kind of rein in some of his aggression. Yeah. I tweeted, I tweeted out earlier today, the, the, LeBron Russ AD with no center lineups coming into tonight. This information will not have been updated on the mm-hmm. NBA.com website until tomorrow morning or later tonight. But before tonight, they had only played 45 minutes together with no center and they were mm-hmm. plus 17 in those minutes, which comes out to plus 15.8 net rating. So plus yeah. 15.8 points per 100 possessions. And they were dominant on both ends of the floor in those minutes. Mm-hmm. Now they're, they have not looked good when they've played with a big, which is the most predictable outcome in, in the history of basketball. However, the, the reason why I would use that as a huge sign of optimism uh, or a driving force behind optimism is like, they haven't played well. This is, this is a basketball team that is, that is playing like a middle of the pack Western conference team right now. When mm-hmm. we, when we all know that, when this thing really gets going, they're going to be a team that is in contention for a championship, one of the top two, three, four teams in the league. And so that's exciting for me because, you know, when we envisioned this coming in, it was like we were just thinking Dennis Schroeder on steroids. Right. <laughs> and and we knew last year that when Dennis Schroeder and LeBron and AD were on the floor, the Lakers dominated. That was just a fact that manifested on the scoreboard. And so we had a feeling that if Russ could kind of replicate what Dennis Schroeder did on the team in terms of usage, which when you look at the roster, the when LeBron is on the floor with Russ, he doesn't take a ton of shots. Uh, I think it's hovering right around like like 12 or 13 shots per one uh, per 36 minutes, I think, if I, if I remember correctly. So what that means is Russ is really reining it in and taking on that Dennis Schroeder type of role, guy who's trying to, uh, uh, attack when it kind of makes sense along two superior players. You know what I mean? And so th- there's a lot to be uh, optimistic about looking forward with that group because they're going to start playing better basketball. There will be a point, especially when they go and play some of these better teams. Like they've got a, a road trip coming up. I think it's in just over a week where they're going to be playing like uh, Boston and Milwaukee. Like you're, they're going to have to, to elevate their level of play. And, and I do think that, that we've seen enough, even with as bad as they've been playing, that this can work. And, you know, I love that Russ is, I love that when LeBron shot that fadeaway at the end of the game, Russ came flying in and tried to tip dunk it, even if he missed it, because that's the example of like, that's just that, you know, uh, it's, he's overqualified for what you're asking him to do. He's so athletic. He's so strong. He's got such a high motor that, asking him to be that tertiary player alongside these two better players should manifest in all of this like positive chaos. And I think mm-hmm. we are starting to see that a little bit. Like I, I, again, from the beginning, didn't love the move, but I saw that it could work. I knew that there was potential for it to work. 
And we have seen some flashes of that so far through eight games. And in 45 minutes is nothing. Think about that. Like yeah. they, that, that's nothing. They have a, they're going to have a whole lot more opportunity over the course of the season to figure out how to make this work even better. Yeah. And this is the third straight game. I've really liked, well, the 82 fouls kind of mess it up in this game, which uh, my take on it, I wish he would just stayed out there with the two fouls, but like they've been doing this second unit kind of thing where LeBron comes out, I believe around the three or four minute mark of the first quarter. And they do Russ AD with just three spacing shooters. One of them is mellow and they'll have Reeves out there. And then tonight it was monk in that situation. Um, it was Bradley a couple of times. Uh, I think it can be Ellington when he comes back, Kendrick Nunn or whatever. But I like that they've kind of stuck Russ and AD together in those. And then they let, like you talked about, they start let LeBron run in those DeAndre Jordan lineups or whoever's the backup center lineup. But I think that like second unit is something they can stick with. They started it in the third quarter against Cleveland. Uh, they were down 10. They went to that. They went on a big run with LeBron off on the bench. They did again in the first game against Houston. Did it again tonight. I just like that as something they can go to when LeBron's on the bench. I have to check the numbers um, if they're winning those those lineups by a lot or not. But like even if they're not, I just like how that looks. Austin Reeves as a connector there. He's a guy that probably stayed. But I just like that they're finding units that work. And I thought Vogel has found something there with the Russ AD kind of spacing lineup where they can just spam that Russ AD pick and roll. It's just a really tough cover. You can't you can't switch it. You get AD with a small. Russ gets a gets a low to the rim. He can run to the rim if they go under. Or he can find shooters and he can find Carmelo, who's been an absolute flamethrower. Um, I know we didn't get to talk about that first Houston game together. But what, what do you think of him? Because Melo just can't miss right now. It's kind of crazy. I did not think he'd be shooting this well uh what are you seeing from carmelo because i feel like it's kind of crazy what he's shooting i think it was like 70 percent at home and eight percent on the road and i think those numbers will kind of even out a little bit uh but he's been just amazing as a knockdown guy and i think they found lineups for him too i like him next to ad i thought tonight even on defense it kind of shows that he can survive out there uh do you, do you like what you're kind of seeing from carmelo because i feel like he, he's kind of outplaying his contract already yeah, I do. So I have I have a lot of thoughts about Carmelo, and, and really really quickly before you uh, before we get to that, just mm-hmm. to tie off what you were just saying, I 100% agree with you. Like in terms of the LeBron off minutes, I mm-hmm. would stack talent in those minutes because mm-hmm. LeBron just has a history throughout his career of just figuring out how to be positive with limited players, especially against bench lineups. So you know, obviously, I'd prefer that to be Dwight, and it will be Dwight when he gets healthy. But if putting LeBron with a Dwight, putting LeBron with a, uh, um, you know, with an Austin Reeves, putting him with the players that are a little bit more limited, I think makes mm-hmm. the most sense because he is the most capable of keeping those minutes positive. And I really do think that having this team be the first team in the LeBron era that could stay positive in the LeBron off minutes would be such a huge boost to this team, not only in uh, 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 in those specific minutes, but that, that kind of thing will help them in the standings over the course of an 82 game season. Like think about how crazy it is to win at a 64 get win pace. Like they did in the last two seasons when LeBron and AD were healthy while mm-hmm. losing every single minute you play without, without LeBron. <laughs> right. like, like that's crazy. Right. So, you know, I, I kind of like organizing it in that way. And chances are that that's the way to use it is like, like uh, innings eating, because mm-hmm. by the time you get to the postseason, all these guys are playing 42 minutes anyway. And it, you won't have this much of a problem trying to, to get through the, the, these extended stretches of, of, you know, AD off and Russ off minutes. Now, as far as Carmelo Anthony goes, he's the guy 
in the early going that I've been advocating as the perfect fifth guy to throw mm-hmm. in with LeBron, Russ, AD, and, and Baysmore or, or Reeves or Bradley, whoever it is that they put out there. The reason why is like he, he provides you, – you and I talk a lot about the difference between a guy who can make shots at high percentage and a mm-hmm. guy that teams are terrified of and guard in a specific manner. Because the truth of the matter is even if Rondo hits 40% of his threes – He's being being left wide open. And so it has an impact on every other possession that doesn't end in him making a three just Mm -hmm. because of congestion. And like what what was so interesting to me in that uh, in the Cleveland game and then in that in that last Houston game, you know, Carmelo, he because he is taller and because he's so good at elevating and, and releasing quickly at the top of his shot. You, if you close out on him, he's kind of still open. The only way he's not going to feel comfortable in his shot is if you're in his shorts, like literally just like up in his airspace. That's the only way you're going to bother a Carmelo Anthony spot up attempt. What that means is you have two choices as the defense. You can either take him away, in which case you're letting LeBron AD and Russ play four on four, which I'm here to tell you is a battle you're probably going to lose, or you can keep that fifth defender in a traditional help side, you know, split the difference type of, of spacing to try to bother LeBron Russ and AD and Carmelo Anthony is going to shoot like 57% from three this year because, because that's the, that, that's the gamble that you have here. These guys put so much pressure on the rim in a different way than, than Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum did that he's just going to continue to either get, amazing looks that he's going to hit at an extremely high percentage or he's going to uh, um, uh, pull the defender out and allow your stars to be more comfortable. It's like he is, he is one of those, he's made himself into almost like a Duncan Robinson, you know, Joe Harris level spacing threat. Obviously he's not shooting on the move like those guys are, but he has, he's building that kind of fear. And then as we've seen with the really, really good defensive lineups that the Lakers put out there, he can hold his own defensively as long as he's surrounded by all that size and athleticism. So I, you know, it's funny because I I was really down on the signing when it first happened, not down, but just not as excited as other Laker fans were. And I've been proven wrong because he's just turned himself into such a deadly spot up threat that Mm -hmm. you absolutely have to account for him. And that, and that, that helps that spacing equation with Russ, you know, like with Russ on the floor. Yeah. He's going to be help. Uh, his guy's going to be helping off, but Carmelo's spacing kind of counteracts that a bit. It helps the whole formula work better. Right. And I, I looked up today, so he was shooting six, almost 69% on his wide open threes. And the NBA kind of classifies that as when your defender is six plus feet away, it was almost like 50%. <laughs> Uh, when the defenders uh, when it's just open with the defenders less than six feet but yeah I don't know if those numbers will stay but he's just been an incredible spot up guy like he's 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 gonna be himself right unapologetically like he's kind of what I thought Russ would be here Russ has kind of done this more trying to fit in stuff Carmelo's like I'm coming in here to be Carmelo Anthony and like some of that you get some of those really bad kind of mid-range shots but I tweeted tonight he must be in heaven like he gets he gets oh, every yeah. team. He gets every team's third worst defender. You know, he had like Kevin Porter Jr. on him in the post, and it's just a little one leg fadeaway that you know he's done a bunch of times. And that was career. a big shot, by the way. That was a big that shot. Was, yeah, 
put him put us up, I think, like four or something. Uh, but yeah, just as a catch and shoot guy, like that's why I like him in that second unit as, as well. I think that's going to be a standstay as we go here. Um, just Russ, AD, Mello with two. If you can get two defensive guys, I guess, and that's kind of where I wanted to go with this task. You next because it looks like THT is kind of getting healthy. Uh, Wayne Ellington's kind of getting <laughs> Wayne Ellington seems to be getting healthy. Kendrick Run should be here in a couple weeks. Like there's three new dudes coming to the rotation. Um, I know that they barely beat the Rockets these few times, and it's really tough to kind of take from these young teams. But like, how do you see? I guess the rotate. People are asking about Malik Monk. Like I thought Malik Monk looked bad tonight. Uh, but you know he's gonna have games like that he's still kind of getting destroyed defensively but how do you see the rotation i guess uh just big picture here we get tht back hopefully pretty soon does he just slide right into there for monk or like how, how do you see this kind of playing out you know it's funny i actually got actively excited about tht the other day when i saw <laughs> that that little video of him doing the left-handed workout with uh, with uh yeah. um gosh now i'm blanking on his name all feel handy. Phil handy and like and it's so funny too because like i feel like every person in their life needs to suffer an injury to their dominant hand at some point so that they can polish up things <laughs> with their left hand that injury never happened to me by the way so i have absolutely no left hand <laughs> but the, the uh uh it's funny because with tht HT2 is, is hilarious because he's so dominant right hand. Like he's that guy that will have you pinned on the left side of the rim and still go up with his right hand, you know, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I got excited about him because I have so much, uh, um, you know, I'm so excited for what his defensive potential is as a ball pressure guard. Right. You know, the, the truth is, is like Avery Bradley's not super good right now. He's not super good compared to what he used to be. But he looks really good right now because what Frank needs out of that position is pretty simple. Fight over the top of screens, apply ball pressure. It's okay if you get beat off the dribble because if you get beat off the dribble, that is a uh, uh, in in a ball pressure sense, that is a a predictable outcome that the defense is built to absorb. Okay, mm-hmm. we talk about we talk about this all the time. Like you, when you're playing against the fi- when you're playing against the Brooklyn Nets in the finals. I don't care if I've got Ben freaking Simmons guarding the dude at the point of attack. Kyrie's probably going to beat him off the dribble, you know? So your defensive scheme is designed to absorb that. And so it just needs to be a predictable outcome. What you can't have is blatant defensive breakdowns where guys don't do their jobs and then everything falls apart. That's where it gets more complicated. Well, THT, as we've seen, is actually a, a better on ball defender than Avery Bradley at this point. He's got a lot to learn about those multiple effort plays within the defense in his off ball stuff. And we'll see if he has enough of that together. He did get better at that as the season progressed last year, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, and that's going to be the big thing for him. But I think THT is going to come in and play a big role right away. I expect him to immediately jump into that uh, Avery Bradley type of role where he's playing 20, 25 minutes um, and being the guy that's that's fighting over the top of every single ball screen, that's going to be something really exciting. Kendrick Nunn is is going to be, I think, a little bit more in the Malik Monk type of of role. And what I mean by that is, like, I think his minutes will wax and wane based on how well he's playing. Yeah. Because while he is a good defensive player compared to someone like Malik Monk, he does not have that high ceiling type of of ball pressure effect that you get from an Avery Bradley or from a Kent Bazemore from a THT. So from that standpoint, I think you'll see moments where none plays a big role, especially if he's got it going offensively, kind of like Monk, but I could see him kind of drifting in and out. I mean, the, the perfect, I know, I know this is completely out of left field, 
But like, if the Lakers are in a position where they need to make a trade at the deadline, the, the, the emergence of Avery Bradley and, and the emergence of Austin Reeves immediately makes Malik Monk and Kendrick Nunn expendable. Now, that I, I, who knows? They could all pan out really well and the Lakers could stand pat at the deadline. I'm not here advocating for a trade by any means. But mm-hmm. the, adva- the advantage of having Reeves break out and having Bradley show that he can work in the system is if you're sitting down and it's like, hey, guys, Ariza's ankle is screwed. He cannot play this year. We need a wing. Well, you've got two contracts there in Monk and Nunn who add up to, you know, eight, nine million dollars that you can trade for 10, 11 million dollars. And they're guys that are replaceable in uh, because of all your guard depth. And so I, I think what'll be really interesting to see is, you know, because we've seen Monk fall out of the rotation several times already. And ke- it's confusing to even wonder how Kendrick Nunn fits with this group right now. So it'll be really interesting to see over the course of the next couple of months how much mm-hmm. those guys are used because they could become your primary trade pieces uh come february yeah i've been thinking about this like tht i think fills the desperate need we have for a wing right we just don't have anyone's mm-hmm. like six eight six seven kendrick nunn kind of should feel like they he was their he's their what fourth or fifth highest paid player they gave him the tax player mle he should fit into that avery bradley role right with more offense and we'll see if avery bradley goes to the bench uh, talking about him and vogel having this like and you talked about it as well like this defensive coach connection where he's a super high pressure uh point of attack defender that fits the scheme that vogel wants to run um mm-hmm. even if and it was funny like i don't know if you didn't get to see that first half but they did a lot of switching tonight because they started ad at the five and there's still some miscommunication with that as well i think avery bradley's not as good in just like a total switching scheme like you could tell uh I think some of the bigs kind of went at him, uh, but yeah, like with. Well, let, let me let me ask you this really quick: Were they switching because they were dying on screens, or were they switching because it was by design? In that first quarter, I thought it was by did not by design. It felt like they were trying to really switch everything, and then they kind of switched when Melo got in the game. Melo came in, he started kind of trapping a little bit more. But in that first quarter, they really were trying to just switch everything. I, I think one play even where Bradley uh, went over the top, and AD told him like we're switching. And then I think Houston just threw the ball out of bounds, but it was an open dunk for I think Sangoon or something like that. But yeah, I thought they were trying to switch everything, but that's where I want to see. Mm-hmm. I want to see if like Kendrick Nunn comes in and can take that, you know, take the minutes from Avery Bradley because he should be this offensive kind of player, right? That was the whole point of getting Kendrick Nunn be like that backup guard. Um, and, but like he is, he is kind of small. He's six two. So we'll see if he can defend well enough, but like, I want to see Kendrick Nunn play first before uh, I put him in some trades, <laughs> put him in a, put it in the trade machine but i'm really interested to see if kendrick now comes back and takes avery bradley minutes i think thc is going to play right away though we need a wing even if thc is not great it's just we need more size out there and uh he he should be able to feel that but we'll see when he comes back yeah you know i i i kendrick nunn in particular is a guy i'd like to see play in some of those lineups you were talking about where russ and ad are are together with a bunch of shooting but lebron is kind of with the rest I'd right. put, I would think Kendrick Nunn would be a really interesting guy to put out there with LeBron. Mm-hmm. And and because, you know, LeBron likes to, hey, I run this possession. Hey, I run this possession. Hey, I run this possession. But this possession, I want to go stand, you know, 26 mm-hmm. feet on the right wing. And, yeah, if you kick it to me, I'll shoot the three and I'll make 40% of them. But, like, I want you to try to create something. Like, Kendrick Nunn is, like, the perfect guy to throw into something like that, um, you know, as a, as a secondary ball handler. And you're, you're right. It's something that's missing 
with this particular group is like, you know, because Frank has gone the way of defense and Monk mm-hmm. has kind of slipped in and out of the rotation, it's kind of like LeBron and Russ are staggered, but when they don't, you know, when they're not either throwing it into the, to the block, the AD or, or uh, uh, running action with LeBron and Russ as initiators, it's a lot of like, oh, here's a random Bazemore drive, you know, <laughs> or like, like here's a, here's our dribble handoff action for Avery Bradley coming off of the, the, the two bigs at the high post. Like there's a lot of like random actions like that, that works sometimes, right? Like we've seen Bradley do mm-hmm. that. Bazemore had a huge driving layup in the fourth quarter. It's like, those are, the, those are fine, but it's like, what if that was a, a more savvy ball handler, someone along the lines of a Kendrick Nunn, or what if that was THT attacking the fourth best defender in your lineup? You know, like mm-hmm. those are the kinds of things where, I'd, I'd like to see, you know, you're going to get an influence of, or an, uh, <clears throat> an infusion of more offensive talent there that could make a lot of this look easier. Right, for sure. We'll see when those guys come back. Uh, they should be coming back pretty soon. Um, but I guess, like, we haven't even talked really about LeBron and AD tonight. Like, AD, I feel like, could have had 40 tonight if he wanted to. And again, I know mm-hmm. he didn't really catch that first half but like they had nothing for him i think he had like 12 in the first quarter or something he can get that jump hook whenever he wants uh, i don't think he hit a three tonight either he had a couple of mid-range jumpers but i thought he was himself for most of that he kind of walked through that first half lebron as well uh i tweeted don't take lebron for granted i thought he was awesome in the fourth quarter i feel like this is the kind of stuff we're gonna get from them though like i i, I talked about it i think on saturday or whatever or whenever that was that i thought like the rust kind of transfer of energy would be a little bit more than it has been it's kind of been just rust this like energetic ball and ad and lebron are still kind of going out their pace um do you kind of agree with that i feel like we're going to just continue to get these like as long as we keep playing bad teams we're going to play oklahoma city next we're just keep seeing lebron and ad kind of walk through these first halves and then turn it on in the third quarter that's the kind of trend i guess i'm seeing you talked about defensive identity trend and this is a trend i'm seeing like we're gonna see these guys just walk through um, until these like third and second half start. I mean, I hope not. I hope it's not like that. I mean, <laughs> right. you know, you've heard a lot of talk probably around the league of parody. It's probably, mm-hmm. it's, it's been one of the, you know, common topics that's been brought up um, on Twitter in recent weeks. The idea that like every team is good and you can get beat on any given night. It's like, Oh, Memphis mm-hmm. beat golden state. Holy cow. Or like Denver just went into who did Denver lose to last night? I can't even remember. But like Denver went and lost last night. It's like Phoenix started the year two and three. There's just this, you can get beat on any given night. And the Lakers, you know, lost. Okay, they played what they played San Antonio and then they played Oklahoma City and then they played Houston twice. They Mm -hmm. won. They won three of those games, but they almost lost three of them. (laughs) Like, like that's what's crazy. Like, the San Antonio game went to overtime. (laughs) They lost to Oklahoma City, and then they, like, literally were trailing by double digits in the second half against Houston tonight. Like, the truth of the matter is, is when they get into the tougher parts of their schedule, like they're about to, you're about to go into a stretch here where they play Portland. They're going to play Miami at home. That's like your textbook Kyle Lowry and Staples Center for some reason turns into Allen Iverson game. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then you have uh, Charlotte coming to town. Charlotte's good. Charlotte is a very talented basketball team. Then you're going to go play Milwaukee. Then you're going to go play Boston. The, this, the league is tough enough 
that if LeBron and AD continue to bring this inconsistent effort, they're going to start taking losses. And, you know, eventually an urgency is going to have to kick in with them. And I believe it will. I believe it will. Nobody, I've I've talked to you about this a lot in the last couple of years. Nobody likes to sit down and get slapped in the face repeatedly. Eventually (laughs) you're going to, uh, eventually you're going to come back and, and fight. It's like, episodes, remember squid games where like the, when the dude's playing the, the paper game with him and slaps him in the face every time he loses, like mm-hmm. you're only doing that to me like three times before we're fighting. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like at a certain point, at a certain point, there's going to be a natural response here when they get into a tougher part of their schedule where they're, where LeBron and AD are going to have to be like, Hey, we got to bring it every night or mm-hmm. this, this league's going to chew us up and spit us out. You know what I mean? Right, and it could be a lot worse. So just looking at the standings, I mean, standings really mean nothing right now. We're way too early, but they're five and three, and I honestly am not going to forget that OKC game. They should be six and two. Um, the only teams with less than two losses are Utah and the Warriors, who are both Utah six and one. Warriors are five and one, so they're right there. After this win, they're the third seed, um, right, right above Memphis. So they're right where they, I guess, they're supposed to be. It just hasn't looked very pretty and maybe it's not supposed to we talked about it It was going to be a process it's all process over results and i'm starting to see little things man i just i can't wait to get the full team though you know like i feel like i'm watching an incomplete product like i saw Mm. i saw trevor reza standing up on the bench today and i forgot it was him i was like who's that on the bench and i realized that was trevor reza who was like predicted to start on this team um earlier on media day so i'm that's what i'm excited about uh we're starting to get into the point where guys should be coming back and we get a whole kind of new team here. Austin Reeves is averaging like 20 minutes a game. The undrafted rookie, like who saw that coming? Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think his minutes are going anywhere, just the way he's defending. So it's just really fascinating to kind of see what the team will look like, adding three full rotation guys. And I'm not even including Wayne Ellington in that, who I praised over the offseason, but uh, who might not even play. But, yeah, that's what I'm excited about, man. We're going to a stretch here where we should be getting uh, getting some guys back uh, on these on these trips. Yeah, you know, we joked before the season that their schedule was so easy that it was kind of perfect because they were so bad in preseason. And yeah. and th- this is kind of what I was talking about, right? Like, I mean, they literally have been playing god-awful basketball <laughs> and mm-hmm. they're and they're 5 and 3. So, that was the that was the blessing in disguise about the way that this this season kind of shaped out is this inferior product that they've been putting out, which again, I'm just saying relative to what their expectations are. This is the team that is favored to win the Western conference and has better title. I'm not sure if the odds are still this way, but before the season Mm -hmm. they had better title odds than the Milwaukee bucks. Okay. That's, that's what this team needs to be judged through as a, in terms of a lens. And the truth of the matter is they're a team right now that is good, not great offensively and is bad defensively. So the, the, the truth of the matter is things have been ugly, but thankfully with the way the schedule broke out five and three, if you told me five and three with LeBron missing two games, I think, I think you take that. So yeah. in terms of like a, a little eight game checkpoint, which is roughly 10% of the season, things have gone pretty well considering the way that they've played. But you know, we're going to find out really quickly. Like there have been a lot of people joking on Twitter today, like, Oh, they're going to go up to Portland and, Dame's going to regain form. It's like, well, yeah, if you defend like that, <laughs> like, yeah, like if you guys, if you guys give Dame a bunch of good looks, then yeah, he's probably going to get going, you know, but, um, you know, the truth of the matter is, is I'm just ready 
for some of the, the, the good competition to show up on their schedule, because I think this team needs it. I think this team needs to be slapped around a little bit um, in order to, to re-engage on a more consistent basis. But we'll see. Cause like I said, if they, if they defend Oklahoma city really well on Thursday and they go up and beat Portland, then I can look at this through a lens and be like, Hey, not only are they seven and three, but in four of their last five games, they've had really good defensive efforts. That's when we start talking about, we have a core identity of this team that's starting to form. That's when we can start to get excited about that. Um, and, he, and even with this game tonight, you could look at it and like you said, Hey, there was a stretch in the second half, even in our bad defensive game, there was a stretch there in the second half where we strangled these guys for roughly mm-hmm. 20, for lo- roughly 20 minutes of game clock. Yep, man. I guess the last thing in my notes, uh, is just, I wrote big three. So LeBron, AD and Russ combined for 84 points tonight. Um, and again, like you can quam with Russell Westbrook's numbers, but this is kind of what we talked about over the summer, right? Like adding his production. You, again, you can joke about the numbers, but the numbers are what they are. Putting up 27, 7, and 9 along when LeBron and AD have good games. They had good offensive games for the most part. Uh, defense, they kind of focus in the second half. But LeBron, 10 assists. Russell Westbrook, 7, seven assists. Trying to see that kind of that combination of production, I guess. And that's why you go trade for Russell Westbrook, right? And you can kind of quabble back and forth whether he's a superstar a star whatever he is he's still kind of he's a guy who, who produces uh at this who can produce at this level and that's why you go get that you see the wizards players <laughs> the laker wizards players starting to get all this love now of course they're on another team kyle kuzma montrez <laughs> harrell <laughs> kcp and the wizards i think are five and one or some crazy kind of number five and two well. yeah five and two yeah they're playing really well but again like this is why you combine you know three like b c players for you know, a Russell Westbrook. So that's my last kind of thing on this. I feel like we're starting to see Westbrook get comfortable. He was seven for eight from the line tonight. Like that's, I think that's a step forward for him as well. Yeah. Progress getting to the basket. Um, still didn't hit a three Oh, for four. I thought the threes he took tonight were okay. Like they were ball moves, you know, or a guy cheats off, cheats off him so badly on like a LeBron and a pick and roll that like he has the whole world time to like stop, you know, get his feet right, try to hit in. I'm okay with those kind of shots. I feel like he's pretty much taken away the, you know, bad kind of come down, dribble, pull up, contested three. But yeah, like I, the production there, I feel like we're starting to see it, even if it's against bad teams. This is what you play bad teams for, though, right? It's to get that kind of reps and to get all this, you know, get all the bad habits uh, that you that you have out of your system, I guess. Uh, but yeah, that was my last thing, I guess. If you had anything else from from this night or from the previous night, yeah, I'll just I'll respond to that really quick, and you go ahead and get our first caller up here, guys. We're gonna take callers for about ten minutes, and then we're gonna call. Let's do a hard stop at like ten fifty five. Uh, so the thing with Russ that's funny is everyone wants to kind of undercut his statistical production. And I actually, I agree with like the underlying theme of what some of these people are talking about, but Mm -hmm. I don't, there is no such thing as an empty stat that to be, to be clear. However, it's stats without context. So for instance, like if Russ goes out and gives you 20, 10 and 10, but he also has eight turnovers and he shot 25% from the field, then mm-hmm. it's it's not twenty ten and ten. It's twenty ten and ten with a whole lot of wasted possessions, right? So that that's right. your context there. But you look at a you know if Russ is going to give you twenty three eight and eight or whatever it is that he's going to give you per game this season, but he gets his efficiency up to where his field goal percentage is close to forty five percent instead of thirty nine percent, and his turnovers are closer to three or four instead of five or six. That's when we can start looking at this and go. 
this is a, a huge uh, uh, boost. You know, that's that that's the thing with with Russ is like you can't undercut what he's accomplishing on the court. You just have to he has to cut back on what he takes away. And for the record, uh, since that uh, uh, Oklahoma City game, he's been better in, in the last three He's done a pretty good job of cutting back on his mistakes and and trying to rein in some of the chaos. Yeah, there's like he's over four from three tonight. That's going to happen. Mm-hmm. That's that's part of the Russ experience. But he's ten of twenty one, so he was efficient enough that he wasn't taking away a bunch of possessions. And uh, and there's just a lot of production there. So I don't want to undercut that, and I don't think people should undercut that. It's just. With Russ, it's all about the negative plays. If he can cut out, cut down on the negative plays, it becomes a hugely positive equation for the Lakers. For sure. And I guess I only see one kind of caller up here, so I'll, I'll bring him up. But uh, last thing on the turnovers thing. So I, I know this is not really how stats work, but if you throw away the OKC game where, to me, everyone played terrible, LeBron uh-huh. didn't even play in that game, but that's, that's neither here and there. He should be able to beat the Oklahoma City Thunder going up 30. But you had 10 turnovers that night. So mm-hmm. 10 turnovers really brings up your average of turnovers when it's only been, what, six or seven games. So on the season, he's averaging like five point. I think he's averaging like five turnovers a game. But if you take that one out, it's uh, he has 12 turnovers in, I think, uh, like five or six games, which is around three turnovers a game, uh, which you can kind of live with, right? You can live with three or four turnovers a game with the amount of ball handling he does, the amount of just pushing and transition that he does and the usage. Like, And I think it's okay. The turnovers, some, some of them are super ugly, but... Uh, to your point, if you just throw out that OKC game, which was just a reckless game in itself, uh, he's been he's been OK at that. Yeah. And the real punishment from from the Oklahoma City game is in the standings, because no one's trying to evaluate this team. Excuse me. No one's trying to evaluate this team without LeBron. There's right. just there's just no point in doing that. The punishment is in the standings. And to your point, if he can keep his turnovers right around three per game in the in the games where LeBron plays, that's awesome. That's incredible mm-hmm. because you're going to get eight or nine assists from him. You might get eight or nine assists in the first quarter of one of these nights. You know, that's, that's how explosive he can be. It's just about cutting back those negative plays. Like in Oklahoma city, 12 missed shots and 10 turnovers. That's 22 possessions where Russ mm-hmm. either threw the ball to the other team or missed a shot. That's a lot, you know, that, and again, that was a game in, in the context of LeBron not playing, but that's an example of the, it, the, it's skewing too far in the other direction. For sure. And I think that guy just went down. So I don't have any callers here. Um, or Jason, do you have anything else from tonight? No, I think, or, I think we're good. This week? We're going to have a, uh, we're going to have a lot more shows. Like I said, I, I appreciate you, uh, 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 covering for me on Sunday and I think we're both good to go for Thursday. So that'll be fun. And I am yeah. hopeful that the Lakers will get some, uh, much needed revenge against Oklahoma city. <laughs> right. Right. Hopefully, mm-hmm. uh, they don't blow another 30-point lead or whatever it is. Uh, but, yeah, should get a win. Get, like, what, 6-3 and three on the season or whatever they are, whatever they would be if they'd be Oklahoma mm-hmm. City. Yep, they'll get them to 6-3. and three. And then then you get a real test. On the road in Portland, that'll be a – it's a team that, exp- like, directly attacks a specific weakness of the Lakers, which is dri- mm-hmm. uh, guards that can shoot really well off the dribble. Um, you know, and it's a, a, ro- a good road test and – It'll be a specific, a specifically attested to the Laker defense. I'm actually really, really excited for that one. 
my wife has an event that day, so she's working all day. I cannot wait to just park my happy ass in front of the TV and watch every minute of that uh, of that game up in Portland. But, guys, thank you all so much for your support. This will be uh, airing on Dash Radio tomorrow morning at seven. I right after I get off the phone, I'm go or right after I get off the show, I'm going to um, uh, put this on our podcast feed as well. We sincerely appreciate your guys' support, and we will see you on Thursday night. Thanks, everyone. Thank <laughs> you.